You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Are hacktivists slugging for Uncle Sam? Maybe. Britain's NCSC warns of battle space preparation for a campaign against critical infrastructure. Facebook prepares for its appearance on Capitol Hill. Facebook also cancels a plan to share anonymized medical data for research purposes. Atlanta continues to recover from SamSam. And some good news, Malwarebytes has solved LockCrypt ransomware. From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Monday, April 9th, 2018. Late Friday and into the weekend, what's thought to be a group of hacktivists defaced Iranian and Russian websites with a crudely rendered American flag and the message, don't mess with our elections. The defacements were relatively crude. The flag is old school ASCII art for one thing, but disruptive nonetheless. The hackers exploited the recently disclosed Cisco CVE-2018-0171 smart install vulnerability to reset routers to their defaults and display their message. Most observers are so far inclined to accept the hackers' claims at face value, patriots who took advantage of unpatched routers to mess with Russia and Iran. As they so often do, Motherboard has gotten in touch with people purporting to be the hacktivists to see what they're up to, As the magazine puts it, they were in touch with, quote, someone in control of an email address left in the note, end quote. The hackers who claimed responsibility told Motherboard, quote, we were tired of attacks from government-backed hackers on the United States and other countries. We simply wanted to send a message, end quote. So the message has been sent and received. It also appears that the message has, for the most part, been removed. And don't try this at home, kids. The Cisco vulnerability has been exploited elsewhere, not just in Russia and Iran, and not just for hacktivist purposes, since it became known. Britain's NCSC warned late last week that Russian threat groups were harvesting NT land manager credentials in apparent preparation for an attack on the UK's critical infrastructure. The National Cybersecurity Center advised that Russian state actors have been prospecting engineering and industrial control firms since March 2017. The warning was in at least one respect indirect. The NCSC didn't name Russia in its own advisory, but it did link to the similar announcement from U.S. CERT last month, which of course did name Russia directly. Thus, there's little doubt as to whom they have in mind, and the British press has little doubt about whom the NCSC meant. Tensions remain high between Russia and the UK over the recent nerve agent attack in Salisbury. Sergei Skripal, former GRU officer and MI6 spy, victim of an attempted assassination with the Novichok nerve agent, has regained consciousness and is out of critical condition. His daughter Yulia, also out of critical condition, 
has refused to talk to the Russian consulate that sought to check on her welfare. British sources say the Skripals may be relocated with new identities to one of the other five eyes, probably the U.S. Possible Russian reprisal in cyberspace to diplomatic measures and financial sanctions has been a matter of some concern. Tension flared anew with Friday's imposition of sanctions on Russian companies by the U.S. Treasury Department and a chemical agent attack by Syria's Assad government against insurgent positions brought very harsh U.S. criticism of Russia and Iranian support for the animal Assad, as U.S. President Trump called the Syrian leader. As Facebook prepares to face its inquisitors on Capitol Hill this week, the platform's recent upgrades get generally poor reviews. It introduced a way to recall messages after users complained that messages they'd received from CEO Mark Zuckerberg had disappeared from their accounts. Facebook had not permitted regular users to do this, but they hastily introduced a feature permitting this at the end of last week. Reception has been poor, with commentary from Wired being representative. It looked like a hasty reaction. The company has suggested more data misuse may come to light. So have the whistleblowers, who've opened up the data scandal. Bad optics has apparently induced the company to pause, as it's been put, an attempt to get medical facilities to share anonymized patient data. The stated intent was to enable data so shared to be used for research conducted by the medical community. But Facebook has decided to leave this alone for a while, at least. As the company put it in a statement quoted in CSO, quote, Last month we decided that we should pause these discussions so we can focus on other important work, including doing a better job of protecting people's data and being clearer with them about how that data is used in our products and services. End quote. The city of Atlanta continues to struggle back from its Samsam ransomware infestation. Business Insider reports that last Thursday, Atlanta took down its Department of Watershed Management website indefinitely for server maintenance and updates. As of today, the site appears to be accessible, but it's also got the city's ransomware incident update banner prominently displayed across the top. The city says it's still investigating and remediating, but that it's seen no evidence that personal information has been compromised. And finally, some good news on the ransomware front. Malwarebytes researchers have found a weakness in the encryption scheme LockCrypt uses. They can use that weakness to decrypt files ensnared by LockCrypt, LockCrypt has been irritating, but Malwarebytes gives the criminals behind it poor reviews. Quote, LockCrypt is an example of yet another simple ransomware created and used by unsophisticated attackers. Its authors ignored well-known guidelines about the proper use of cryptography. End quote. You can contact the Malwarebytes support team for help, and bravo, Malwarebytes. Managing the requirements for modern security programs is increasingly challenging and time-consuming. Enter Vanta. Vanta gives you one place to centralize and scale your security program, quickly assess risk, streamline security reviews, and automate compliance for ISO 27001, SOC 2, and more. You can leverage Vanta's market-leading trust management platform to unify risk management and secure the trust of your customers. Plus, use Vanta AI to save time when completing security questionnaires. 
CyberWire Daily listeners can get $1,000 off by going to vanta.com slash cyber. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash cyber. In the dynamic world of enterprise security, identity architects and IT leaders face a major challenge. Growth by repeated acquisitions multiplies the complexity of everything. Multiple IDPs, MFA providers, policy engines that all need to coexist. This can lead to fragmented user identities and policies that create security vulnerabilities and add access friction. Strata Identity solves this. Now you can decommission unneeded IDPs and consolidate the ones you'd like to keep without rewriting apps or disrupting users, engineers, and app owners. Plus, Strata's modular architecture makes it easy to integrate with any identity provider without manual maintenance and coding. Join the ranks of cybersecurity leaders using identity orchestration. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your top identity security priorities, and receive a pair of complimentary AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations with over 5,000 employees. Step into a new era of identity management at strata.io slash cyberwire. And joining me once again is Robert M. Lee. He's the founder and CEO of Dragos. Uh, Robert, welcome back. Um, I saw on Twitter that you had made some comments about the risk of indicting foreign hackers, and I wanted to go through that with you. What do we need to know about this? Yeah, absolutely. When, when you're looking at indicting folks, you're talking about a criminal process, right? The Department of Justice gets involved. And it can be extremely important if you're talking about standalone criminals, Um, But if you're talking about nation state operations, which the indictments have been typically about, we saw Chinese indictments with wild, wild west styled posters of Chinese hackers and Iranian indictments, now Russian indictments. Uh, It it serves little purpose and honestly has a lot of risk associated with it. And the first problem is that it makes it about the people and not about the state. The problem isn't that there were seven members on a team in Iran that that compromised infrastructure. The problem was that the Iranian government built and authorized this team to do so. So by making it about the individuals, we basically allow them to become scapegoats for that government instead of holding the government accountable. The other problem is these aren't criminal acts to them. These are their operations that they're running as part of military intelligence uh, operations. And we do the exact same thing. So it's not about, oh, well, they do it and we do it. It's okay. No, it's about making the point that we don't want to see U.S. military members on Wild Wild West style posters in China, Iran and Russia. It's not supposed to be about the individuals. It's about the state. So for not only the protection of our own people, but actually holding states accountable and letting them know when they do cross the lines of what we perceive to be inappropriate use of operations. Um, We need to make it about the states and not the people. And it seems like uh, when these reports come out that uh, there's little hope that these folks will ever be arrested or or brought to justice or or anything like that. I suppose uh, some of them have been nabbed when they've taken vacations in uh, countries that have uh, extradition agreements with us. But uh, so it seems more symbolic than anything. It is. I I think it's more political in nature and, and it has value for showing that, you know, a certain administration is going to be taking this seriously. I'm usually not so cynical about actions, but I, I am fairly cynical about this. 
because I, I think the aspect of nabbing one of these folks is utterly ridiculous. Again, if it's a criminal who's been doing cybercrime, broke uh, international law around that or, or domestic law that we care about, then then sure. But if it's a military member for another state or operating on behalf of their military or intelligence services, we shouldn't be nabbing these folks uh, and trying to hold them accountable. It's, again, utterly ridiculous to me. And does there seem to be a pattern to uh, when we consider them having crossed the line, gone beyond sort of tit-for-tat espionage into this point where we declare them criminals? Uh, There's not a clear line, and I think that's part of what makes this extremely risky, Hmm. is there is not a clear line for anybody on what we do or do not allow as a state, for any state. Um, We've seen, and I've talked about before, where we've had uh, hacks against infrastructure and power outages in Ukraine or uh, malware designed to kill people in Saudi Arabia, and we don't utter a whisper about it. Um, and and we, do, we basically erode the norms by not addressing those issues. Uh, and we typically say, well, there's red lines. If you cross them, we'll let you know. And then people ask, well, what are the red lines and what are the, the you know repercussions? We're like, we'll tell you when it happens. And then that that's a, a strategy of strategic ambiguity that doesn't benefit anybody. And if you're Iran, Russia, China, et cetera, you're still trying to figure out, well, what exactly is the U.S. see as normal operations? Because obviously we're doing operations in those countries as well from a cyber component. So what is good use and bad use of these capabilities? And, and you're just going to have trouble defining that because each state takes advantage of it and each state takes advantage of the ambiguity. So if all the states are going to take advantage of the ambiguity and run their operations like they want, the very minimum, let's just keep people's faces off Wild Wild West posters. All right. Robert M. Lee, thanks for joining us. And that's the Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. And for professionals and cybersecurity leaders who want to stay abreast of this rapidly evolving field, sign up for Cyberwire Pro. It'll save you time and keep you informed. Listen for us on your Alexa smart speaker, too. The CyberWire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow.